Welcome to Women of the Wild, where education and opportunities are key, and friendships are made to last a lifetime. Got him? You think we got him? We got him. You said that yesterday. <laughs> Alright, Skylar, what do we got here? We got a oh. nice looking red ball. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Women of the Wild podcast. I am your host, Linda White. I have my co-host, Felicia Marie, with me today, and our guest is Cassie Tall. How you doing, Cassie? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. How are you doing, Felicia? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. So, Cassie, I know we're kind of short on time today. You guys are on your way to one of our events. Um, so, Let's just jump right into it. Um, Cassie, how did you get started into the outdoors? Started into the outdoors? Uh, that would be my dad. Um, I actually started getting into the outdoors mainly um, four-wheeling. Four-wheeling was the biggest thing that we do in our family. We still do it. We go on family trips. We go four-wheeling and then we go fishing. I actually did not grow up with a hunting background at all. Um, my parents do not hunt and it really wasn't until I met Felicia that I started getting into that. Uh, I grew up fishing a lot. Uh, it's one of the things that my great grandpa would do with me all the time. We would go on these family trips. He'd be ready waking me and my cousins up at five in the morning and he's like, it's time to go fishing. And 10-year-old, 9-year-old me would be like, okay, Grandpa, <laughs> let's go out there. Um, no idea what I'm doing. When I was younger, I had like that that little fishing pole with like the fake fish on the end of it. So I mm -hmm. thought I was the best fisher of all times. Always caught something. Um, little did I know it was not real. <laughs> but I just kept going from that. I... Fishing is the one thing that always connected me with a lot of my older family generations, especially my great grandpa. He was a very important person to me. He unfortunately passed like two years ago now. Okay. And um, that's okay. He, he was old. He's 90. Um, and fishing is the thing that I do that he lives through in my mind. Um, so I do fishing with him. Well, in my mind, I still do, but right. <laughs> and then my grandma 
And my dad, it's the one thing that I've always connected with them on early on. So your so, grandma fishes too. Heck yeah. That's She's awesome. a good fisher too. <laughs> That's fantastic. Every time she comes to town, um, we have to plan at least one trip. We go out to the Portage Chain, which is a whole bunch of lake systems down by me. And um, the water is so clear. You can see all the fish down there. And she gets excited every single time. She always wants to try out her new lures, make sure I try her lures. And every single fish is just as if she'd never caught a fish before. The excitement. I love it. That's how I am when I catch a fish. <laughs> Doesn't matter the fish. Yes, even if it's a drum. Doesn't matter what we catch. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got a carp. <laughs> Get all excited. Felicia's like, don't bring it on the boat. I bring it on the boat. <laughs> We don't bring drums on the boat. <laughs> I let, I made an exception for Cass so she could get her picture with her very first drum, though. I was great. Ugliest okay. fish. <laughs> hey, I'd be right there with you. I'm not kidding. I, like, we'll go, Michael and I will go um, pan fishing all the time. I live near Bemis Point, and, and there's a lot of, like, you know, nice, just little pan fish that you can catch. And you would think that I, like, this like huge musky or something every time I'm like all right I've got a fish and he's like yeah it's three inches throw it in the bucket like <laughs> you know? no honestly I'm the same way and Nick will be like what what did you catch and I'm like it's a little guy but yeah. he's my favorite <laughs> That's awesome so so fishing how did you transition into you know saying, okay, I, I want to get more involved into the hunting aspect of things. Now you said it was when you met Felicia. Now you started dog sitting for Felicia, correct? How that, is that how that worked? Yeah. So odd story. Um, I met Felicia through a Facebook group. Um, I'm known in the area for dog sitting for people and house sitting. And she had put a post asking if anyone had any recommendations for someone to dog sit and I commented on it and multiple other people commented my name on it and that is how I met Felicia I was like yeah I'll come dog sit for you fine come to find out she lives like four minutes down the road from my parents house I would come over we'd talk I was supposed to talk about the dogs and then it turned into like a two hour conversation on tangents about hunting and fishing. And I never really had anyone in my immediate circle or friend group that really did hunting. Um, my cousins do it and they travel for it, but I don't really have any girlfriends or girl relatives or anything that are into hunting. And didn't really have anyone else who would want to hunt with me. So I was like, hey. And she's over here like, oh, you have two hours of free time? Just come over. We're going to go out. We're going to go find something. There's always, almost always some seasons open. Try it out. See which things I like best. And just kind of dove in headfirst blindly. <laughs> and now it's starting to become an expensive hobby <laughs> all the good ones are 
This is true. <laughs> I never let her sit down, whether it's hunting or fishing. Actually, your first one out with me was that uh, late go- uh, early goose last yep. year. Early goose last year. That was my uh, first time going out goose hunting. And I had tore my shoulder, not from the hunting. Uh, I tore my shoulder before that. So I wasn't allowed to shoot or anything. I wasn't allowed to do anything. Oh, no. So I was there to hang out and learn. Um, but that ended up making me more comfortable for this season. I've actually been shooting and I got my first duck. So that was eventful. Um, got, it was date night for, uh, me and my boyfriend and, um, our date night consists of walking knee deep through swamps and finding wood duck holes. Uh and instead we found a pair of really nice mallards we shot he got the drake i got the hen and now it's this we're gonna mount them together as our little couple mount that Uh we got on date night so that should be cute (laughs) that'll be adorable (laughs) yeah it was it was very exciting i think he was more excited about it than i was at the time he got all distracted and flustered that I actually shot one. And um, he me. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he calls Felicia. He's like, oh my gosh, Felicia, she got a duck. Uh-huh. And didn't even realize the fact that there was multiple ducks still around him. He's just staring at me going, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. I've never actually gone duck hunting or goose hunting. I'd like to go on one of our events sometime. Um, Michael no always. He always tells me that I need to. He's like, you need to go because I'm a talker. So he's like, you can talk the whole time and it doesn't matter. And then just be quiet as soon as they come in and it's fine. No big that deal. Why I like it. And, and that's so I was like, so, I need to do this, you know, like. So, Linda, we were I was just talking about this with someone that um, when you're up for the trapping event in November, that we should get you out during our season. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I um, I've I've never gone. I'd love to go. Um, and it's just, you know, it's really hard for us because we go from like convention season into getting things ready for trapping and then trapping, you know what I mean? Like we don't really have that huge kind of break. And of course, you know, like duck season and stuff starts right in between that convention and trapping. So it's so difficult for us to like, Because, of course, we put everything off to the last minute. You know, I'm still I'm still waxing traps this weekend. Um, So, you know, that's that's where we're at. But, yeah, I'd love to. Maybe we'll have to plan that. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, uh, you're I mean, Linda, you're going to be coming here and staying at my house uh, for the trapping event and instructing that. So we'll go ahead and maybe Saturday, if you can come in on Saturday, we'll plan a, a goose duck hunt or something like that. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? I'd love to see that. She'll be all excited. <laughs> I will. I will. I will. So definitely. experience my life of never sitting down. And- yes. <laughs> which is currently my life. We just went. Um, <clears throat> so it's currently uh bow season for deer up, mm-hmm. um, by yep. us. And um, my, I've had the wonderful privilege of going out every single night because that is what my honey wants to do every night and why would I say no to something like that that's right. fun time so 
we've been going out every night and um we've been chasing this buck for since opening day and we've been watching him on cameras before then and um he's what nick calls him the invisible the ghost buck because he's there all before season and then disappears during season and then he'll come back right after so we watched him and uh the other night he made his grand appearance and um it was i think we had only been in the blind for maybe 20 minutes and he comes right out and i'm like this is perfect and um it was supposed to be my night to shoot but he's been the one targeting him so i was like you go go for it and uh got a clean shot on him we went out there went to go check the arrow no blood and um there was a little bit of a meltdown because the we saw it hit the deer and then i started walking around and found the best blood trail i think i've ever seen in my life the easiest blood trail to follow 150 yards we found him wow dragging him back not so much fun (laughs) but it was a great night I have venison in the freezer now. That's awesome. Because we ran out. <laughs> and then we're going back out after some does this week. Keep filling the freezer because that's what hunting and living off the land's about. Right. Getting that freezer filled mm-hmm. so that you don't have to rely on someone else. Yeah. So how long have you actually been hunting then? So about two years? Yeah. Last year was um, we mentored Cass all last year and then this year would be your first year like actually knuckling down towards it yeah yeah, last year she went out with everything and really um absorbed the information um like she said she had a bum shoulder so she medically couldn't be firing a firearm or pull a bow back or anything so she just kind of tagged along with me quite a bit last year and then this year she's all healed up and hitting the deck hard and it's been awesome to watch her grow that's fantastic So what is your drive? I guess, you know, like, like, what is your drive to, to start hunting? What was, what was the, the excitement? What was the, Hey, I want to go and do this kind of what, what sparked it all? So a couple different things. Um, the, one of the biggest things for me with certain animals. Um, so I, went to school to start doing conservation. And um, when I was starting to do it, there were all these people talking about how the benefits of hunting and conservation, like how they go together. Uh And the more and more I saw about that, the more it really started to make me understand like how much we're actually benefiting certain populations from doing this and how we're benefiting not just ourselves because we're getting that meat and we're getting that stuff to provide our own food, but we're Mm -hmm. also helping these species from starvation. We're helping them from overpopulation. We're helping them from disease control. We're helping with all of these other things that a lot of people don't realize that hunting isn't just, oh my gosh, look at this giant buck. I want that. And it's, I don't care about getting a buck. Like that's nice and that's that would be great, but getting that big dough that's going to fill your freezer more and is also going to help control that population better because that's one less deer that's producing. Mm-hmm. And looking at it from that aspect, 
And then as I started in my mind, I won't shoot something or kill something if I'm not going to use it. That animal is going to be used. So once I started um, being with all involved with all these people that are have been hunting and are cooking this food, having me try it, it's like, wow, that's really good. That makes me want to go and get this animal, make this food from it, and do that rather than go to the grocery store, buy food that you don't even know what they're doing anymore with food. Right. I would much rather go get my own food and see like, all right, this is an animal that's used everything. It's used its surroundings. It's lived off the land. And now we're taking that and we're using the land and we're using the animal. And um, that to me, the more that I've gotten into it, it's just like that realization that that's what people used to do. Mm -hmm. They used to just use the land, they use the animals, and that's what they used. And I think that's being lost a lot through the generations. Most people aren't doing that anymore. And I want to continue that tradition. And as I'm starting to learn it more, it's making me respect everything around me more, inspect, respect the environment more, respect the land, respect the animals, and just seeing how other people have, I don't know, explained that to me and their views on it really got me intrigued and interested on doing it myself. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a great answer. That's, that's awesome. You know, most people, it's, it's kind of like a, oh, well, it seemed like something fun to do or something like that. But I love the fact that you have an actual purpose behind it, you know, um, and that purpose, you know, is is what's it's what's fueling you, keeping you going. And and I really like that. Like, that's kind of like how it trapping is for me. Um, you know, it's it's fun, obviously. I mean, let's let's not let's not play down the whole like fun of the chase that that is definitely exciting for all of us you know <laughs> i mean let's let's give that its dues there but you know knowing what is what is happening because of the fruits of your labor because of the hard work that you're putting into it the dedication that you're putting into it like around where i'm at our deer population so so i never let's i didn't say never um i did not live out here in the country whenever i before I met my husband, I live, I was a city girl. I lived in the city. Um, so when I first moved out to where I am on sawmill, the population, the deer population, the turkey population, all of that was a lot lower. Michael was the only trapper that was, was trapping the area where we're at. And he actually wasn't even really trapping at home. He was trapping other lands that, you know, he had got. And because it was really just him and sometimes his daughter, the the predator management was not being taken care of the way it needed to be taken care of. So like now that there's me and him trapping this area, like seeing the we've never like he'll tell you he hasn't seen this many deer on sawmill in he can't even tell you how long the turkey population. I mean, gosh, we even have um, the FTA we put in. Uh, allowing somebody to come and hunt our turkeys because we have such a great turkey population right behind my house now, you know? Um, 
and that's all the fruits of our labor. So I, I totally get what you're saying. And I think that's so cool that you see it that way. You know, you you're looking at at the the management of animals. You're looking at what it's providing, not only for you, but your your family. And I love how you said about you don't know what they're putting in the foods these days, because like. So I have a I have a gluten and a dairy allergy. OK, and and people laugh at me all the time. They're like, oh, you know, that gluten thing is all made up. Well, it's it's not. And the reason it's not is because of how we manufacture our foods these days. Gluten, um, like the reason people didn't have a problem with it for so long ago was because we processed our foods differently. We didn't do all this extra that we're doing. So I love that you you see that you see like, hey, this is the best meat I will ever possibly get is right here. And right. you worked for it. You know, I think that's awesome. I think that's and and you're I mean, you're younger than I am. So, I mean, I, I look at like a younger generation and and sometimes I feel like those things are lost on the younger generation. So I think that to me, that's awesome that you see those things. Um. What are your, do your friends, do you, are you, do you have a lot of friends that are, are hunters or, or into the fishing and the outdoors or is it, is it mainly kind of you or how is, how is that? So a lot of my friends really don't, um, well, I mean, a lot of my guy friends, they hunt and they fish when it comes to girls, I have like Felicia <laughs> and, um, my my best friend my sister she she hunts less frequently but she is always down to go fishing mm -hmm. um me and her will go fishing and that's probably girl wise at least those are the two people that I do most with and then once I started uh dating Nick I've gotten a lot more involved and I've met a lot more guys again, but women of the wild have really connected me with these other women that we do events with that are interested in hunting and fishing. So it's definitely opened my eyes seeing that there are a lot of other women out there who are interested in it and mm -hmm. who are involved in it. But for most of them, when you ask them, they're like, yeah, well, until I was with my husband or with my boyfriend or my brother got me into it or my dad got me into it. It's a lot less frequent that you hear like, oh, my mom started teaching me how to do these things or my sister or any other kind of like girl relationship. It's just less common. So definitely now that I'm seeing all these other women who are interested in it, and then we're helping them get their foot into that door and showing them like, hey, you don't need someone else to go out there with you. Like, I mean, you need people to help mentor you, but you don't need it doesn't have to be a guy. You can reach out to us and we can connect you with people that are living in your area that are already practicing it or already know what they're doing or can at least help guide you into it. You don't have to have someone that is in your immediate circle to help you get involved into these things. We can help find you someone. And then in that you're then making this friendship and you're making all these other connections. And I think that's probably one of my favorite parts is like when we go on these trips, 
and, or when we have these classes or anything, even if we just do like small groups, we're meeting these women that aren't just from Michigan. We're meeting them from out of state and they're showing us, Hey, there's girls in all the different parts that they just need those connections. They just need to help make those. And the other part is we really want to reach out to youth and what's the best way to get to youth is, Hey, start getting their moms, start getting their aunts, their grandmas, their anyone to get into it. And then they're going to be, Hey, I want to bring my kids out. I want to do this. And that's one way to try and get into those younger generations is start out with these other groups and pull them up and just keep it that way so that we can continue the tradition. So it's not something that's completely lost. I think right. that that's a really important, um, you, you hit on two really important things. So like with women of the wild, we aren't just centralized in Michigan. We have connections in every state. So women that want to get out, if even if we're not, like, even if I'm not in your state or Linda's not in your state or Cass, like you can still reach out to us and we're going to have the connections to put you with someone that is close and local to you. Um, but the second point that you just brought up is the mom. So that's a really big thing that we stand for is, is when you get like, it's one thing for dad to be hunting, but when you get mom out there, it starts to really pull in the whole family unit. Um, and we, you know, as women, we, we want to cater to those children and, and involve them. Um, so even if it's not your kids, but like a niece and nephew, um, you know, I got some kids on the football team that I mentor and take out. Um, I never want to deprive, like, we don't ever want to deprive a child of, of getting an experience and growing a passion. So I, I think it's, Cass touched on that is it's really important to get these moms out there because Linda, you and I have discussed this before too, but being able to provide that opportunity to a kid that might not normally have it. And it doesn't have to just be dad. It can be mom. It can be an aunt um, or grandma, anything like that. It's, it's really important that we, we put our focus in that because they're our next generation of conservation. You know, um, and this applies, I guess, to to pretty much anything outdoors. You know, if you think about it, um, when you when you were a kid and and you scun your knee, who did you run to? Did you run to mom or did you run to dad? When you had something important in your life that you wanted some real advice on, did you run to mom or did you run to dad? You know, uh, we don't think about it uh, so much as like how much mom's influence on things is is really there you know um dad is normally the fun the fun parent um and and i hate to say it that way because i wouldn't be the fun parent but i mean honestly <laughs> let's think about it you know like dad's normally the fun parent but when you've got the real influence you know the the one that you're you're hey i want a i want a real opinion or a real influence mom's really the one who gives that influence and I'm not trying to cut any any guys down because I'm sure that there's there's some really great, awesome dads out there who are like, listen, I influence my kid more than anybody in the whole wide world. And and that's fantastic. But in a in a general setting, mom's the one whose opinion you really kind of turn to on anything important. So if mom's on board, you know, trapping, hunting, fishing, and she's like, hey, this is something really cool and you need to do. I feel like sometimes that um, holds a little bit more, you know, um, because her influence is like, huh, mom really thinks that the, it's not just the cool thing, but mom has a real big interest in this. 
I wonder why. What is the reason? You know, and maybe I need to be doing it too. And and that's how I've always kind of looked at things. But I mean, I could be totally way off, but I just I look at it that way. Yeah, I agree. It's I mean, everyone's gonna see their parents differently, but I know for sure, like a lot of the things too, um, that at least for my family, when my mom really is into something and she wants people to do it, it's never just a by herself event. Mm-hmm. It we're all going to do this. This is now a family thing. This is a family event. Right. And I think a lot of the times, a lot of guys are like, oh my gosh, this is my, like my way to get away from everyone. Just have some me time. Like, Hey, I'm going to go out hunting. I just want to be, get some time alone, you know, decompress, have their like them time. Whereas like the moms are like, all right, we're all going, everyone be ready. We're all doing this together and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Everyone needs their them space. But I feel like with having like the moms more involved, they make everyone involved. Look at my kids. Right. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. You were, we, it was funny cause I was just editing um, the podcast. You and I did Felicia and how you said about how your son for his birthday was like, Nope, I just want to go out and, and shoot some geese and, I just want to hang out with mom. And I think that's fantastic because like you're getting them away from the computers that you're getting them off their phones, you're getting them out and doing things. And, and that's been lost on, in my opinion, so many children these days, you know, technology really seems to, to run our lives. So the fact that we're, we're getting kids out there and getting them away from that and unplugging is fantastic. Yeah, the a lot of these kids nowadays with this generation, they're so absorbed in like cell phones and TVs and video games that um, you know, in my household, it's it's actually a pretty rare occurrence for any of that. And um even in the blind, like I know some people have that like thought of like bringing a tablet or something and like I've done it. I'm you do what you have to do to make sure they're comfortable and, and complacent while they're out there and make sure they're having a good time, but I think that the biggest thing that a lot of people need to realize is when you're involving the youth is you're, you're doing everything on their time frame. So you have to know, like, if like weather can take into effect, you have to be able to pack it in when they're ready, not when you're ready. Um, I think as a mother, that's something that it took me some time to learn. And it's, it's been a blessing for me to be able to learn that and then be able to share that with other kids and, and get them out. But these kids getting them out and getting them so involved to the point where they don't want a TV, they don't want a tablet. They want to be there and enjoy it and actually absorb what's going on around them. Um, I think that's been the the biggest key to all of this is like you said, getting them unplugged and, and bringing them back to what the roots are of all of this and letting them enjoy it and build that passion. It's been, it's pretty spectacular. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And now a short word from our sponsors. Girls with Guns Clothing is a proud sponsor of Women of the Wilds podcast. If you're looking for hunting gear, be sure to check out our new fall collection, including the launch of our new Artemis Generation 2 lineup. With Girls with Guns, you know that our gear has been designed and field tested by women who actually hunt and wear this gear. We have an amazing team of women who contribute and share their ideas and extensive field testing so that our gear works for you in multiple hunting environments. 
We build our gear for women of all shapes and sizes, made by women for women. If you want to try out GWG, you can go to gwgclothing.com and use WILD15 for a discount off of your first order. Hey everyone, Andy from ACC Crappie Sticks. I want to tell you about our full line of vertical jigging and live scoping crappie rods. We have from 10 foot to 13 foot in mid seat to rear seat and available in cork and super grip handles to cover all of your vertical fishing and live scoping needs. Go to acccrappiesticks.com. Thank you. Spark that fire and passion for the great outdoors through the gift of reading and learning with your kids. Dr. Josh Farr's vivid storytelling will captivate and teach your little ones through books like The ABCs of Hunting, Let's Go Out and Play, and his latest book, coming soon, The ABCs of the Outdoors. Your kids will love the great stories and bright, colorful pictures as they learn about friendship, life, and nature. See all of Dr. Josh Farr's books at drjoshfarr.com. That's D-R-J-O-S-H-F-A-R-R.com. Well, you see, trappers are a special breed of people. We're dedicated, committed, and passionate about what we do and who we are. Each and every one of us has an intense desire to be the very best we can. So in a world of skinny jeans, man buns, and pumpkin spice lattes, sometimes you just have to stop, push back, and tell the world, that's not me. Whether you're from the far north, or in the deep south, and anywhere in between, Southern Snares can help you succeed at getting the job done and being who you are. We would also like you to check out Sawmill Creek Bait and Lures, RMC Custom Calls, Atlantic Coral Enterprise, Blast and Cast Guide Service, Epler Fur, Feather Moon Calls, Shangalaya Safaris, Shelly Emmer, with Dirty Girl Guide Service and Hunting Day Podcast. So Cass, now seeing that you are are still newer to hunting and, and all that, what made you what made you say, okay, not only do I want to start doing this and but I wanna I wanna jump into Women of the Wild as being a mentor too, and I want to start you know, leading events and and participating more, not just as a participant, but as a leader, you know, with Women of the Wild. What what made that change so quickly? So <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> you know, my thought is, you know, what if you go big or go home? But um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> She's got that Texas mentality. You know, always. But um, I am a very big teacher like I like once I know how to do something all I want to do is like share that knowledge with someone else Mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong I am no expert in anything let's be honest no one really really is an expert in something and I'm a much stronger suited when it comes to fishing I know a lot more about that, but are there areas that I know nothing about? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, but what I can do is share my mistakes and share what I do know with someone else who is starting or trying to get into it. And same with hunting. I go out quite a bit right now 
with all the different seasons going out, I think at right now, at least five to six days a week, I'm doing some sort of hunting. And for me, it's all a learning experience. And every mistake that I make or every new thing that I pick up is something that I can share with someone else. And so going out to these events where I may have never a certain animal, like say I've never, no, I've done that. I never squirrel hunted. <laughs> I've never squirrel hunted. We can change that. But he, of course. And, um, but there's techniques that I've learned in other aspects of hunting that I can use towards that. And that's still knowledge that I can share with someone else. And I'm, fully and bluntly honest when people are like oh like how long have you been doing this and I'm like oh not very long but I got a couple tips for you I don't think that it really matters how long someone's been doing something it more matters on how much are you willing to listen to someone else learn from them whether you think that you know everything or not and I think that's one of the biggest problems is so many people are so cocky they're so cocky. They won't listen to a single thing you have to say. And that is where, if you're like that, that mentality, you're never going to learn anything new and no one's going to ever want to listen to you. You need to be willing to listen to what they have to share with you as well as what you want to share with them. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned in coaching is the way that you word something makes the biggest difference on if someone's going to listen to what you have to say or not. Mm -hmm. And telling someone, oh no, you're doing this wrong, you have to do it this way, that is not at all how you teach something about anything. What you, I think one of the best ways that I've learned is, hey, you know, maybe don't try doing it this way, why don't I show you another way that might work better? Mm -hmm. And doing that, a lot more people are willing to listen to you. And it doesn't matter if I haven't been hunting that long or haven't been, I'm, I've been fishing for a while, but haven't been fishing that long. I still don't know everything. <laughs> and I still learn something new every single time that I go out, whether it's, oh, you know, like this lure has worked really great in the past, but now with these different water temperatures or with how mercury it is today or how windy it is today, that one's not going to work as well. And that trial and error is still a learning process. Even if I'm not learning it from someone else, it's still a process. And then now when someone's like, wow, I haven't caught anything here. How are you catching stuff here? It's not, oh, you have to use this lure. It's, hey, I found these aspects in a lure are what makes it work better for these conditions. And I think that's one of the biggest things is I like spreading knowledge and having the opportunity to be around people who may have never even touched a fishing pole. Or we had a girl on one of our trips for our sturgeon fishing trip. The only fish she's ever caught in her life were bluegill. These cute little panfish. And she reels in a 72-inch sturgeon. Just seeing that, like, <laughs> that to me was amazing. And still, even though I hadn't caught sturgeon before, there were still other things that I could help her with of how to get that fish in and the best way to do this or the best way to do that or things that maybe to avoid, but never, oh, you have to do this. You have to do that. 
every single person is going to end up making their own technique. It's all about teaching someone the safety involved in it and making their own technique. I like that. I like that. I, um, I, I've done a lot of events where I've, I've, you know, been at the forefront of things. And, and quite honestly, I always say you can learn something from everyone. It may be what not to do, but there's always something you can learn. And the best teacher is the one that is teachable, you know, and I think you hit on that. You know, if, if you're willing to always expand your knowledge, sharing it is a lot easier, except, you know, like you said, if you think you know everything, it's a lot harder for you to teach people because you have that cockiness about you. And I, and I love how you said that, you know, I, I want to share things with people. And, and I think that that's, I think that's fantastic. And I have yeah. to say, from my point of view, um, Cass, you're, you're a huge asset to the company, not just, you know, with the, the knowledge that you have, but I think the fact that you are newer to things. I think that's huge. She brings all a different perspective that somebody like me being more seasoned, there's sometimes things that I overlook and, and her kind of like honing me in and putting my roots back down has been a really big help because she'll be like, well, why, why this? And it might be something that's overlooked by a seasoned hunter, but she brings that dynamic of, of adjusting where your mindset's at of like, oh, you should already know that. Um, but like Cass was saying, it's all on perspective. And being cautious of other people's perspective when you're teaching something of it's it's how they're perceiving it and who are you to judge how they're going to perceive it. So making sure that not only you're thorough, but you're, you're proceeding with caution on how you're instructing something that you're not coming across as like a know-it-all that you're, you're coming across as actually trying to teach them and you're not trying to be, you know, in her words, cocky. Um, but just, taking that time to slow it down, to explain something and explain it in a way that they're going to understand, but also not feeling belittled. Um, I, I think that that's a really big point that that's something we always try to bring to the foreground is making sure that everybody is, is learning in a comfortable, safe environment and not ever having that feeling of, you know, you should have known that. Um, or, you know, maybe that's not the right way to do it, but we can do it this way. Um, and Cass is really, really great at teaching, um, you know, she, with her job here in Michigan, what she does is uh, a lot of instructor courses. So she's really great at that aspect, too. But she brings that new knowledge to the table. Um, and it's it's quite a blessing to have her on staff. I had a class last night. I know. Yes, you did. She had a, a hunting conservation class last night that she instructed here in Michigan. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I um, I recently started, I've only worked there for a month now, I work at the Midland Conservation District, and we, um, we've recently, as in last night was the first workshop that we did, mm -hmm. um, we, we're starting to do workshops now, they want to get the community involved and the kids involved in the conservation and get them more interested in it and excited in it, and um, Last night, we did a hunting and conservation. How is hunting related to conservation and getting the kids excited for it? And the first thing that we did was um, identifying tracks. So we had the kids, they were given a sheet and had a whole bunch of different animal tracks on it. And they were guessing what tracks they were. Then we went over what tracks they were. And then we went and took a walk out in the woods and looked for tracks. 
And seeing them get so excited when they would find one was absolutely amazing. It was my favorite part of it was just seeing their reactions to everything. They learned the word scat, which there <laughs> was probably the one little boy. He was five. And um, his favorite part, every time he'd find something, he's like, oh, it's scat. And it, sometimes it would be <laughs> some mud, but he was so excited. And then um, we had one of the guys, uh, he used to work for uh, Michigan Fish and Wildlife in DNR. And now he traps for DNR. And um, he came and he brought a whole bunch of different furs, Michigan furs, and was letting the kids touch all the different furs and he would um we took all their name tags off so no one knew what they were and the kids again had a little worksheet so they were guessing whose fur they thought they belonged to and they got to pet them all and then we went and we started identifying what each fur was and then they were guessing if they what their diet was and all these different components which then got them excited for learning about, well, when are hunting seasons? And the one kid wanted to hunt, but he doesn't know, he, they don't have property. How is he going to hunt? And explaining to them that there's all these different ways that you can hunt. We have state land. We have um, asking other relatives, asking farmers. And I think one of the coolest things that I actually recently just got familiarized with is there's this program, it's called the HAP Project. And it's where farmers can, with the help of DNR, they'll loan out some of their property. And hunters can come and hunt on their properties. And the property owner is in charge of what animals they're allowed to get off their property. Some hunters, or well, some of the properties will only allow you to hunt there during turkey season. You're only allowed to take turkeys and some are only deer and some have it open to all seasons of any type of wildlife that's in those seasons. And I thought that that was really cool because I had never heard of that. And um, that just gets you another way for those people that don't have property. They don't have access to that, that they can still hunt even if they don't have that luxury of just having their own property there's other routes they can take yeah so how did you get hooked up with this uh working there and everything applying at a lot of jobs <laughs> <laughs> um so i just graduated from eastern i have a uh, a bachelor's in biology and i was super interested in going into dnr and there's just not a lot of job openings in DNR right now, at least in the aspect of the part I wanted to do for it. And so I started looking into these other spots and I had always been interested in conservation and the um, conservation office ended up having an opening and she was very excited to meet me and I got that job quite quickly yeah and they've been really supportive of uh women of the wild and and these workshops that they're doing um cass has been instructing not only as her position with the usda but also as women of the wild as well so um we're able to wrap that kind of together and have that support here in michigan it's been really great oh yeah that's awesome that's awesome so um we're gonna wrap it up here pretty soon here but um cass what's next for you 
what what are some of your goals? What are some things that that you'd like to accomplish? Um, maybe even even some hunts or trips or or something like that that you that are kind of on your bucket list now. Well, let's be honest. We're going to start out kind of small and get bigger as it goes. I really just want to. Um, my goal is to first get every Michigan animal that I have an interest in eating and actually using. And um, I'm excited to get my first deer hopefully this season. I have not personally shot my own deer. I've helped in tracking them and I've helped in bringing the deer in and gutting it and stuff like that. But I have never personally gotten my own. Uh, same with a goose. I've been out goose hunting. I just got... Um, Nick actually bought me a new gun. So that's exciting. I actually have my own now and um, love to shoot a goose with it. I shot my first duck with it. Um, I really want to get a turkey. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> really anything. Um, I'm just excited to get out there and learn more and have a better understanding of everything. And as I start getting that larger understanding i think i need to start out with um being more in this area before i continue to expand and i just want to feel comfortable and as i feel comfortable i'll keep expanding and expanding because that's what it is well you're going to nebraska with us i years. am i am going to nebraska <laughs> in what three weeks you'll be in nebraska yeah. with, with us so uh, we have a women's uh duck goose hunt in nebraska with fall mouth outdoors and Cass is going to be going with us for that so it'll be a really cool experience too. That's going to be your first out of state. It will be adventure. my first out of state adventure. Yeah. My first yep. out of state adventure that has to do with hunting. <laughs> That's awesome. So we'll see. We're going to continue. Felicia's trying to drag me over to Africa. So <laughs> trying to drag Linda too. <laughs> I feel like I, I got to uh, plant my roots here pretty quick and start getting, getting the feel for it. And it's definitely the adrenaline that, you don't get from anything else. The adrenaline from actually getting that harvest, using that harvest, and finding ways to use not just the meat, but the other parts. Like using, like Felicia uses basically every single part, whether it's for her dogs, for dog food, whether it's making the first, tanning the hide, anything like that. And that's what I am striving to do. We, um, Right now, I did not personally get the turkeys, but we have an absurd amount of turkey feet at the house right now that is now turned into a gun rack. Mm -hmm. So the turkey feet hold our guns. So mm -hmm. I, you can use things for just about anything, and it's finding out different ways to use this so that you're not wasting any part because 99% of an animal can be used. Really, all of it can, but finding what each thing can be used for is the fun part. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot of things that you can use in baits and lures and stuff for trapping. So if you, uh, if you ever have something and you're like, Hey, what can I do with this? Let me yeah, know. Yeah. Cause... The, the glands, the urine, all of that can be yeah. used. So Cass, um, before we go though, what is the, your favorite hunt that you've been on so far? That might honestly be the duck hunt, which I did not think was going to be as exciting as it was. Mm -hmm. But um, when we when we go duck hunting, okay, 
let's change this a little bit. When we go jump duck ponds. So we're, so when we're sneaking up on a pond and we're not going, you sneak up and you, no decoys, nothing. Jump shoot them. Jump shoot. That's the word. Yep. And, um, and Nick likes to find the hardest ones to get to that because no one else wants to hunt that. And I think it, it was an hour and 10 minute walk through swamp to get to this spot. And the adventure part of it and then actually having a successful harvest after doing that, even though I may have gotten flustered on the walk out there multiple times, <laughs> it, it was very fun. Um going in knee-deep mud and waders are not my strong suit you can ask uh, I think I fell about 10 times um, <laughs> I can't walk in waders so it, it's definitely fun um and then I think on the second one would probably be my turkey hunt I did not successfully harvest one um but going to me, I always thought hunting was sitting there really quietly and trying to keep yourself occupied while sitting there very quietly. And I've been shown multiple different ways to hunt each animal that I've been involved in for the season so far that are not all sitting and waiting mm -hmm. and finding and going to those spots. Like the turkey hunting, we were walking through the woods with using the environment as our hiding points we weren't there was no blinds there was Here's nothing stock, stock. yeah yeah that's much more fun i would much rather do that than sit in a tree stand all day and just hope something comes walking by Go actually going out there and like trying to find where that animal is i think that's more in my mind what hunting is than the lion weight even though you do have to lie weight but the getting to see walk around, see where the animal has been, watch those tracks, and keep going. I'm going to tell you, I see more animals, like, as far as, not not my target animal, um, but I see more animals out on the trap line than I ever see sitting in a tree stand in the woods. Like, I can't tell you how many deer, turkeys, gosh, even a bear that I have seen out on the trap line you know, walking in or, or whatnot, checking. I have the, I have the funniest story in the whole wide world. Um, I, I was pulling up to an area and there was, there was like a, a bush and, and a tree and everything in, in the, the way of my track. So I couldn't see it. And I see these like six deer just standing in the field. And I'm like, well, I don't have anything in there. These deer are standing there. I get up to my trap and there's this fox in a trap and these deer are just standing there looking at this fox like, what the heck is wrong with you, dude? You know, <laughs> and it was awesome. And I even have pictures on a trail cam, too, of a fox in a trap and these turkeys are just hanging out around it, like looking at it like, aha, you can't get me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like when people say about, oh, I don't want you trapping because you're going to mess up my hunting. I always think that's so funny because I see more animals just walking through the woods checking my traps than I do standing, yeah. you know, or sitting in a tree or in a blind or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of goes on on the trap line. Yeah. Um, so Cass, what has been, you've, you started off with us as like a client to women of the wild. 
what has been your favorite Women of the Wild event that you've been on? Oh, man. You've been on quite a few. I have been on quite a few. It might have to be the sturgeon. That's me. I like fishing. Yeah. And reeling in that sturgeon, holding that sturgeon, everything to do with the sturgeon was just really cool. I, I love fishing, so. Any trips that have to do with fishing, I'm like, Felicia, I'm your girl. Yeah. <laughs> it was really neat to see, because none of the girls, when we did the sturgeon event, um, that was that was a whole conspiring weekend, because I had done one with a group of girls, and then the very next day, we did the weekend one with the girls, and I literally left for Africa, like, the next day yeah. after, but the, none of these girls had caught a sturgeon. No, nobody's even touched a sturgeon, um, and every girl caught a sturgeon, yeah. multiple Um so it was really neat the seeing all those women, like just the excitement behind that. And Cass, your excitement, it didn't matter who caught the fish. I was going to say, yeah. I was more excited to watch the other girls catch them than I was to catch one myself, quite honestly. Just, I have all these videos of the girls, their faces, their reactions, them like struggling to reel this fish in. And that honestly is what excites me more than actually getting it myself. I think in our opening for the podcast, we have you screaming. Um, I took a voice clip from that surgeon trip and you're <laughs> screaming. And the funny thing about it was, is when I was pulling it off, you're yelling, but it wasn't even you pulling no. the fish in. <laughs> like, I was, I'm watching this and I'm like, wait a minute, that is Cass yelling. Yep, yep, that's yep. her yelling. <laughs> you just get so excited for everything providing those opportunities to other people and their excitement like i feel like a lot of the trips we do we're more excited for to see these girls get that experience than we are to experience it ourselves um and it just goes to show the community that we're building that we we're here to to lift each other up and it doesn't matter if we haven't done it before or if you know we haven't had the opportunity to experience something yet um we're still so happy to provide that experience to somebody else that our excitement trumps theirs sometimes. It's yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah. No, I I definitely have to agree. Well, we're gonna wrap this up. Is there anything else you wanna add or anything else you wanna put out there before we, we sign off here? No, I I I would just say to anyone who's even just thought about trying to get involved, even if you don't want to come out on a trip with us, it doesn't doesn't matter. Reach out to one of us. Let us know. We can help you find some connections. If you just have any questions, reach out and we're always willing to help. And if it's not something we can help with because you're might be farther away and you need some little bit more one-on-one -on -one help, we, we know people and we can help connect you to someone in your area so you can get that experience that you want. You know, and I have to say, um, and I think that, that this is actually a, the best podcast to, to put it on because of you being newer to, to some things. Um, you know, when, when you're starting out, sometimes, you know, you want to do all these things and it can be kind of intimidating, you know, like, oh, I don't know anything. I, I, Cass can tell you and, and I can tell you that there's, it doesn't matter how much you know or how much you don't know, you know, yeah. come, Come, we can hit every level. Um, I know sometimes, you know, the expense that can be involved in it, somebody's a little bit worried about that. You know, if 
if you don't have the the proper equipment already, you know, there's there's things that we can provide or get you set up with, Absolutely. you know, on these trips. So so don't don't hesitate to say, well, I've never been a part of this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have this or I don't have that, you know, between the three of us. And and we even have two Im- ambassadors that we signed on um, between between the five of us girls. I mean, we'll work hard to make sure you have what you need for the trip. We'll work hard to make sure that you you're put with the right person that has the right knowledge, you know, like like with you, Cass, you know, when you first went out, you were brand new to this stuff. And and look where you are now, you know, and if it wasn't for the fact that you gave that, you know, that, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to I'm going to go out. You might not be where you are right now. Yeah, Cass has had a lot of development and growth and I think she she did a really good job on starting off as like mentoring. I think a lot of people skip that step, um, but she really absorbed the information and put the effort to learn everything she could about it. And like she was saying, she enjoys the adventure aspect of it. So it's really neat to watch her grow and continue to grow and just keep absorbing the information, but then be so willing to share it with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to let you guys... Um, go, you're on your way to a duck hunt, correct? Correct. Diver ducks. Women of the Wild uh, Diver Duck Weekend up with uh, Michigan Guide Service with Jeremy Ullman. That's fantastic. Hopefully you 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 fill everything and, and you are successful and it's a good weekend. It, it looks like the weather's supposed to be pretty good, so hopefully everything will go well for you. the weather's going to be too good. It, we want it cold and nasty. Yeah, birds like to move better in the cold weather, but Stay tuned for our pictures from this event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when this comes out, those pictures will already have surfaced, but we'll That's make sure true. that they yeah. can they can look back <laughs> and, and maybe we'll even use one of those pictures uh, for the, the thumbnail on this. So have a good yeah. weekend, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. Thanks. And that concludes this episode of Women of the Wild podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you have any questions or would like to check out our website, it is www.womenofthewild.net. We post different events and everything that we've got going on. We would really like to also thank our sponsors, ACC Crappie Sticks, Girls with Guns, Southern Snare, Sawmill Creek Baits and Lures, RMC Custom Calls, Atlantic Coral Enterprise, Blast and Cast Guide Service, Epler Fur, Feather Moon Calls, Shangalaya Safari, Dr. Josh Farr Children's Books, and Shelly Emmer with Dirty Girl Guide Service. Thank you all and hope that you tune in in two weeks for our next episode.